Hey, it's me again, Colter Nuanas, Big Sky Breakdown. Gave you the press conference from Jeff Choate, Montana State head coach. Gave the press conference with Bobby Houck and his three captains, quarterback Dalton Sneed, Dante Olson, and Jesse Sims. But it is the greatest sports week of the year, leading up to the greatest rivalry in the Big Sky Conference, and in my opinion, all of college football. I know we're biased around here when it comes to our affinity for the Cats, the Grizz, and the rest of the Big Sky. But the one thing I don't care about being biased about, this is the greatest game in my world. So I hope you share in my sentiments, and I know almost every single one of you do. In this podcast, some analysis for you. We're not going to give you the matchup breakdowns till a little later on in the week. We will be sure to share those with you right away. But did kind of a freelancing, what does this game mean to you, and what does this game mean this year with Ryan Tutel? Also did the same thing with Brooks Nuanas, and then I jumped on the knockout sports with Anthony Knockreiner, 600 KGEZ and Kalispell, the knockout sports, and did a little 20-minute bit with him previewing this game and just breaking down the seasons to this point for both Montana State and Montana. So we'll go Ryan Tutel, Brooks Nuanas, and then Coulter Nuanas with Anthony Knockreiner. Hope you enjoy. As always, this podcast presented in part by Selway Armory. Locations of both Missoula and Bozeman, your firearms superstore in Montana. Hunting rifles, shotguns, handguns, ammunition, whatever you need. If you need advice, you need somebody to fix something for you, you want to know what the best weapon is for you, go to Selway Armory. They have experts and they have the best prices you'll find anywhere. If you're in Bozeman this week for the Cat Grizz game, go check them out as well. The new Selway Armory in Bozeman is epic and stay tuned. For the Black Friday sales, check your local newspapers. They'll have all sorts of advertisements and awesome, awesome specials. Great gifts, great investments, great products all the way around. This podcast also presented in part by Town Pump. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. If you're traveling anywhere in Montana, particularly to Bozeman for the Cat Grizz game, Hit them up. They can get you one-stop shop for everything. You need to go to the bathroom before you hit the road. You need some gas. need some water. need some caffeine. You want to get the beer done before you get there so you can have a cold one right when you get off the road, whether it's at your tailgate or your brother's house or wherever you might be going. Town Pump. They got you covered. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. Get this thing rolling with Ryan Tutel, ESPN Missoula. The Big Sky Breakdown. SkylineSportsMT.com. So many people love holidays. I feel like we make holidays in America for everything. There's like National Pizza Day, National Donuts Day, National I Love Myself Day, whatever. (laughs) That's every day. You know I'm a curmudgeon. I don't like much of the holidays. (laughs) I do love the 4th of July. I do love Thanksgiving, mostly just because those center upon consumption. But the one thing I'm all in on, Cat Grizz. Grizz Cat, Roll the Wild. Fiercest rivalry in the West, the rivalry football game between Montana and Montana State, and it's here. It's amazing. College football is so awesome because the way the momentum builds throughout a season is so huge, and it sets up different scenarios every time. In the last several years, I mean, we launched Skyline Sports in 2015, and the very first event we ever covered was Montana taking down North Dakota State. And we thought, man, we're off and running. Cats are number preseason number five in the country with Dakota Prukop. The Grizz have this brand-new coach, and they just beat North Dakota State with Carson Wentz. We're going to be covering nothing but 14-win playoff teams for the next five years. Has not been the case. Not so fast. We have only covered one Montana or Montana – two. Two Montana or Montana State playoff games, one each. Since we launched Skyline Sports. That in itself is crazy. It It's a perfect inside look into just the failings of these two programs. But now here we are. They've righted the ship. 
both teams surging into this Cat Grizz game. So this will be one of my favorite Big Sky breakdowns we've ever done. Ryan Tuttle joining me, Coulter Nuanas on this Big Sky breakdown. We are sitting here on Monday morning. It's not even 10 o'clock. The national polls are about to drop. So we'll give you real-time updates as this thing uh, rolls out. Give but me your guess. Montana's, Montana's going certainly going to be number three. Right. Because they beat the number three team in the country in Weber State handily, 35-16 on Saturday. South Dakota State destroyed Northern Iowa. Hammered. Who, who was number four in the country. I thought that... That's one of those games where Northern Iowa was higher ranked than South Dakota State, but South Dakota State is better, and that's that wasn't. It's like an upset. They were favored in that game, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. I think the thing that's the surprise it was like thirty eight to six or something like that. I mean, it was a a beat down. Yeah, they killed them, um, which was I think a little bit surprising, certainly. But uh, I think certainly uh, the the final score of that game was thirty eight seven. South Dakota 38-7. State won. Um, so I think Montana move up to three. I think Sac State, they won against uh, Idaho, so I think they'll move up to four from six. I think that either four or five, and I think South Dakota State will be four or five. And then I think Northern Iowa probably doesn't fall much farther than eight or nine. I think Illinois State is right there. They won, uh, so they're number seven, so they'll probably move up two spots. And then I think Montana State will probably move up to number eight because Furman, number nine team, number nine team in the polls, they lost um, – to Wofford at 24-7. So I think both teams are going to move up, and I think it'll be three versus eight, somewhere along those lines. But all we really know for sure and all that really matters for sure is that it's a top-10 matchup at Bobcat Stadium at long last. I think the last time these two teams were ranked in the top-10 was 2011. And we're going to get into a little bit of that because I think that there's some parallels between that season and this season, especially on the Grizz side. That Grizz year, it was the second year under Robin Flugrad. Montana started three and two. They had a game where against Weber State where Jordan Johnson threw six touchdowns and it clicked. And they ripped all the way to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs. Remains to be seen if this Grizz team can go on a run, but they have they had that loss against Sac State. They've surged since then. We'll see where they're at, but they're playing as well as anybody in the country. But on the other side, Montana State, I think that the way that they lost to Sac State and the way they lost to North Dakota really impacted the way that people around the state of Montana thought about Montana State. And I think people really didn't know what to think of the Cats even the last couple of weeks because, oh, okay, how do you really get right playing Southern Utah and Northern Colorado? I don't really know, but they destroyed those two teams. But then they had this paramount pinnacle game at UC Davis. They're down 17-14 in the fourth quarter, and they just make it happen. They, they made it happen. It, they get it done. They yes. scored the last 13 points of the game. I mean, Montana State's defense did not allow a first down in the last 20 minutes of the game against Jake Mayer and the UC Davis offense. I don't care if Davis is down or not. That's amazing. That's an amazing performance. And so they're 8-3 and three coming into this game, and I think that we can safely say that both teams are in the playoffs already. Now we're talking about playing for playoff seeding. So just overall, what do you think of the magnitude of this matchup? Dude, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm floating right now. Uh, I mean, this whole week... I I uh, I just I'm so pumped up about it, man. I'm I'm lucky to get to do what I get to do because this to to come to work and just be grinning from ear to ear every day on a week like this, it just doesn't get any better with everything else that we got to do. And you never know how it's going to get done, but it doesn't matter because you know what's at the end of this thing. I uh, first of all, congratulations to both teams because they have. They have hit high water. That's not the right way to say it. They have both ascended to the place that they think they both should be and continue, are you continuing to go. Um, and I think 
for both of these teams to be ranked, for both of these teams to be in the playoffs, for one of these teams, I think the winner Saturday is that is going to have a bye. In fact, I don't think it is a guarantee. The winner Saturday is getting a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Well, I think the the Grizz are getting a bye, win or lose. Maybe so. They, I mean, they might be. I think. I mean, it's not. It's not outside of the realm that Montana and Montana State, if the Cats win Saturday, they could be both taking a week off, headed into the round of sixteen. Oh, I think. The they, I, think they, I think they will. It'd be amazing. I, I think that. I, I think actually. <laughs> Ironically, I think that if the even if the Grizz lost on Saturday, I still think the Grizz would be seated higher than the Cats because of strength of schedule. I think if the Grizz lost, the Cats win. They're both nine and three. I think you're looking at six, seven, or seven, yeah. eight. Yeah, for the seedings. Right. If the Grizz win, I think they're getting the three seed, and the Cats. That's on the presumption too that North Dakota State, fair presumption, and James Madison both win. Again, expecting that to happen, but you know. It's 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 the only way Montana goes higher than where they are, where where they probably are going to be at number three, is if another team slips up. One of those top two, but in terms of this game and this matchup, um, here's what I want to know. I don't want to ask you who it means more to because that it means everything to both schools. But who is to whom is this game from a football standpoint more impactful? Montana or Montana State this year? Man, I, I don't think you can pick one or the other. I think that the Bobcats have an enormous amount of pressure coming into this game because it's on their home field. They've won this game three years in a row. Quite honestly, they have beat the shit out of Montana the last three years in a row. I mean, the margin of victory is less than a touchdown in each game, or a touchdown or less in each game the last three years. But there's been no question who's been the physical aggressor, who's been the team that set the tone physically. I mean, I, I never forget 2016. This is football 101, Jeff Choate says. You stand your defensive lineman up, I'm going to run it up your ass. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys want to play your D lineman in a two point? We're running right at you and we are going to beat you. Montana has turned a corner so much to not let that kind of stuff happen anymore. And you know what's ironic? The reason they have is because of Montana State. So much, The man. Bobcats beat Bob Stitt when he already had a contract extension in place, and the fervor over the reaction to that game was such that he was not able to be retained. And we don't know everything that went on that created that scenario, but we do know this, simply and only, he lost to Montana State on the last day of the season, and that was it, and that was all. And now Bobby Houck is back at the helm, and we all know what Montana looks like right now, what they just did after Weber State. And Montana State has no one to thank but themselves for that fact. And yet, of course, they should because they've won three of the last three the Bobcats have. And like you said, I mean, the most last year, man, was was it 22 nothing? 22 nothing, And... They just keep coming and keep coming. And then in the moment that was the most crystallizing single play of any game I've ever seen, when you talk about the the two different paths of an entire season culminating in an instant, that's what we watched. I don't know that we'll ever see something like that again. We could see another fumble on the goal line to lose a football game, but never will it express everything that it expressed last year in that moment. Montana could not convert short yardage situations, and they couldn't in that moment. And they turned the ball they, over. They turned and the they ball did. over. Yep. They shot themselves in the foot. 
Every single thing that they couldn't do, they didn't do. And also the other side of it, you, have, you have a whole bunch of underdog Montana yes. guys like Grant Collins and Tucker Gates and Chase Benson who all came to play for a program, not a coach, and then they inherited a coach that's just sung to their hearts. I mean, Grant Collins is so much more of a Jeff Choate inside linebacker than a Rob Ash inside linebacker. I mean, isn't any inside linebacker going to be <laughs> no more of a Choate guy? No doubt, no doubt. But um, And that's not to take away. I mean, actually, there were some phenomenal inside linebackers that played for Rob Ash. No, from, I'm just talking from a relatability no, totally, and totally. Like the style of what they're about. Inside to- linebackers totally. want to just go wreck. Totally. And, and Montana State, just the back-against-the-wall mentality, fighting until right. the end, coming all the way back and winning. But all that said, I think that Choate has preached this incremental progression of his program, and I think that there was a month this season when everybody was like, "Oh, this guy's just a this guy's a phony. He lied to us. We're forty games into this thing, and he hasn't turned the corner. Mm. And now they have. They got eight wins, and you can say whatever you want, strength of schedule, yada yada yada. It's been half a decade since Montana State won eight games, and that's a good mark for any team, especially a team in the fourth year under a coach. So. But I think that then means if you were to somehow fall on your face in this game or if Montana was to win in sizable fashion, it's a big speed bump that you're going to have to overcome. I don't think it completely derails you. I still think you can go in the playoffs and do well and maybe win a game or two or whatever might happen depending on matchups. I mean, we still think Montana State's an incredibly talented team. If they no, draw the right no question. If they draw the right teams or the right matchups, they could go on a run as well. But I do think that just the what what – the, the amount of time that Jeff Choate's bought himself by being the Grizz three years in a row, the I was thinking about this on the drive to work this morning. We're rolling out this series of senior profiles on Montana State players. If you're Grizz people, here's the way that this works. We get all these interviews from Montana State, so then I have the ability to write these stories. It's really hard to do long-form stories on kids for the Grizz because we can't talk to assistant coaches, so we can't have exterior sourcing Bobby Houck has not given extended one-on-ones. He gives me three minutes before practice on Wednesdays. That's all. And I get three to five minutes with the players after practice on Wednesdays as well. So to write like these big stories, it's it's not, you don't really have the sourcing. So it's not as if we love the Cats more. We just have the ability to do it from a journalism perspective. That's here nor there. There's some really compelling stories on Montana State. There's a group of six guys who committed to play for Rob Ash who are from the state of Montana who are now fifth-year seniors for Jeff Chope. And the one thing I noticed in transcribing all these interviews is you ask them what we remember the most, and they all say, my number one favorite memory is beating the Grizz three years in a row. But how disheartening would it be for guys like Braden Conkle and Derek Marks and Mitch Brott, who a, a, part of their football identity is the fact that they have beating three, Montana. They have three right. straight state championships. What did Jeff Schultz say? It's just kind of what we do around here now. Exactly. Like and so yeah. it, if that doesn't happen, it's huge. But then on the other side – Montana has not lost to Montana State four times in a row since Sonny Holland was the head coach at Montana State when Bobby Houck was 10 years old. Right. So <laughs> this this is hugely important for Montana as well, just in terms of affirming the trajectory of their program. I mean, Bobby Houck is not trying to lose Montana State two years in a row. Um, no, and here's what's so interesting is – what Montana has done this year in terms of not just being nine and two, but again, Coulter, they haven't they haven't been in a game that's been closer than two touchdowns. 
And by the way, that was true in their two losses as well to Oregon and to Sacramento State. But they just played the number three team in the nation who's played only close games or dominated and blew them away this weekend in Washington Grizzly Stadium. So Montana's 9-2 and two mark isn't just 9-2. and two, It's a dominant 9-2. and two. And the rising tide that the Grizzlies have been this entire season that feels like they are, they're just overwhelming teams. That could all be like, it, you remember Neo in the Matrix? Oh, yeah. Where it's like, you, when the time comes, you won't have to dodge bullets, you know what I mean? And he just puts his hand up and they just all stop and fall. Jeff Choate proverbially has that capability Saturday. The whole thing is, is coming to just whitewash and all of the angst and anger and frustration and energy of three consecutive losses and the loss last year in particular which you know has uh, uh you know kept Bobby Houck to just 30 minutes of sleep a night for the last 360 days all of that can just be stopped in a moment you know, 3 hours on Saturday by Jeff Choate and and the Montana State Bobcats and that's why it was the question I asked you doesn't have a right answer to it. It doesn't mean more to one team or another, and I don't even think it's more impactful to one team or another. I think the impacts, though, are very different to the two teams. The impact to Montana State is, even though they're an eight-win team, even though they're a top-ten team, they're right now ranked behind Montana. They have they they're one game behind Montana in the conference rankings and their total you know overall thing. And even though they're the three-time defending state champions in the biggest game of the year, uh. They are not receiving the respect that I think they believe is their due inside the state because of what has happened in Missoula for the last 12 months. And so now they have this scenario where it means everything to them to win this game. It wouldn't be like, you know, well, we won the last three. You know, it's going to happen. This is like, yet again, having to prove that you actually are what everybody wants you to be, what you think that you are against the quote unquote Grizz against the big bad, you know, Grizzlies. Yep. And for the Grizz, it's every everything you've done is is null and void if you don't win this football game. It doesn't matter that you beat Weber State thirty to three in three quarters and gave up a couple garbage TDs with all the backups in the fourth. Right. It doesn't matter. None of. I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs, and so that that's the other caveat to all this, where this has been the last game of the season for the loser of it, and even occasionally for the winner of it. There's a lot more football ahead for both teams, so there is that. It's not even a caveat. It's a giant part of the story, but within the context of this game, everything you've done up to this point gets completely erased in terms of all the good feelings that everybody has if all of a sudden Montana graduates a class that never beat Montana State. I mentioned the parallels between the 2011 game. I think that the distinct difference between that 2011 game when Montana State was number one and Montana was number seven is the fact that Montana State's not number one. Mm. Montana State's going to be ranked behind Montana. That's right. Not ahead. I think if Montana State is the number three team in the country and Montana's the number eight team in the country, they have identical records what they do right now, identical resumes. It's a huge amount of pressure. I do think that there is pressure because Montana's on this Montana State's on this three game winning streak. But the number one thing that Montana State's hung its hat on the last three years has been being the underdog in every single game, let alone in November, let alone in this game. The the chance to prove it, the chance to knock off the surging Grizz, the chance to 
affirm state supremacy one more time, it's enormous. It's enormous for Montana State, but I also think it's to their advantage that they're not the higher-ranked team in this game. But I don't think it's to the disadvantage that Montana is, and that's the dichotomy between the two programs. Yeah, you're right. Montana thrives on being, well, I mean, I don't know, man. They've thrived on just about, they've thrived in almost every scenario. I mean, to look back now at the Sacramento State game, I actually sit here and go, how did that happen? That's bizarre. Just because Troy Taylor has, well, I mean, what's the, what, what is it? One-to-one Troy Taylor, coach of the year in the Big Sky Conference? Oh, I mean, I mean he is, it's a 100% lock, right? Has to be. Has to be. I mean, just for the just purely for the play calling he enacted in the first three weeks of Big Sky Conference play. I mean, he straight diced the three best programs in the conference. I mean, the only the only other guy that it probably could be is Bobby Hauk. Certainly, no doubt. But but, but Troy it's Montana, not Zach State. I, 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 I totally mean, agree. I mean, if you're the fact g- that you just you, I mean, he did he did surgery against the Cats and the Grizz back to back weeks. I mean, I've never seen and, anything like and it. Eastern. Totally, and, and Eastern, you know, a little bit of anomaly because yeah. of the way that they lost all their players or whatever. But like, the Cats are are good on defense; they're really good, and they had no chance. I mean, Montana, Sac State did whatever they wanted yes, in they Bozeman, did. and against the Grizz, they just straight beat them in a fist fight while also just partying big play after big play after big play. It was an impressive, impressive run. Little history. First of all, here's my PSA: Have fun with the rivalry. <laughs> Let it be totally crazy and be passionate about it. Just stop being assholes to each other. I was looking on Twitter. People are already just going so raw on this thing. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it, you're, you're you're you're. I mean, I I'm not going to make I'm not going to make a but point. You're not winning this. I one. know anybody that's listening that agrees with me is going to act civil, and anybody that doesn't is going to act like a fucking jackass. So whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, just. Be a if you're an adult, be an adult. Um, my here's here's my best here's here's what I would do if I was a fan like everybody that's listening to this podcast. Load yourself up with facts. Take emotion out of it. No, no, no. I mean, you're right. But when you're going no at chance. people, use facts. <laughs> the emotion is the whole thing. That's it. It's the whole uh, thing, man. Don't be don't be that guy. Little history for everybody. Politics and football, dude. Who needs facts? So this will be the 119th rendition of this rivalry. Montana currently leads the series 72 to 40 to five, five ties. 72, 40, and five is Montana's overall record. But I look at this thing through the lens of the Big Sky Conference era. The Big Sky Conference became a conference in 1963. Montana and Montana State both charter members. For people that don't remember or have never known. The Cats and the Grizz were not even in the same division for most of the first 60 years of this rivalry. They started playing this thing in 1897, and they weren't in the same conference. Uh, they were a little bit in the in the early 1900s, but they weren't in the same conference and then in the duration of being in the same conference until the Big Sky launched in 1963. There's a large moment in time where Montana was actually playing a division up. That's right. Montana was playing Division Two which at the time was what almost all the Western schools were, except for like the big, big, big schools. And Montana State, which at the time was Montana State College, was playing NAIA. And like when Montana State won their 1956 national championship, that's an NAIA national championship. But to me, I look at this thing through the 1963, when they're both playing Division II. Yep. 1963 through 1978 was the Division II era. And then 1978 through now, I guess 1978 through... 2002 is the Division One AA era, and then in 2003, everybody started calling it the FCS 
Same division. The exact right. nothing actually changed Just other than the way that they talk about right. it. Right. Yeah. But 1963 through 1968, Jim Sweeney's era at Montana State mm-hmm. against Gene Carlson and a couple other coaches at Montana. Montana State won six straight. Then the Grizzlies with great teams led by uh, Mike Tillman, who's a longtime NFL guy. They won three straight, 1969 to 1971. But then the Sonny Holland era at Montana State, 1972 through 1977. The Cats again won six straight, so the Cats won 12 out of the first 15 in this rivalry. 1978, the Grizz come up with the upset, which is that was one of the first times when a coach was let go because of the Cat-Grizz game. And Sonny Lubick unceremoniously fired at Montana State in a move that sent ramifications throughout. Excuse me, that was Sonny Lubick's first year at Montana State in 1978, but then he lost to the Grizz three of the next five years, unceremoniously fired. He goes on to one of the great coaching rises, defensive coordinator at the University of Miami. I mean, the freaking stadium at Colorado State's named after him. That's how good he was at CSU. But 1983 through 1985, the Cats win a national championship that middle year, and they beat the Grizz three years in a row. And that was the last little rain that the Cats had, because then uh, at that moment, the Cats had won 17 of the first 23 of the Big Sky era. Similar dominance to then they would suffer as Montana rips off 16 straight wins. That made the series 22 to 17. But since Montana State came to Bozeman, or excuse me, came to Missoula 2002, knocked off the Grizz to end the streak, it's Montana 9, Montana State 8. So right here in the, uh, in the 2000s, in basically. In the 2000s, it's been. 11-8 to eight in favor of the Grizz, but since that 2002 game, which was the next domino to fall in the momentum of this rivalry, it's 9-8. to eight. And, and what's the total since 1963 overall? So the total of 1963 is 31-25, to the Grizz. Yeah. So that's what a rivalry is, folks. You can yeah. talk about the ebbs and flows and the streak and all that, but I think that people, I mean, the streak when it was going on from 1985 through 2001 it was just so accentuated by the fact that not only did Montana dominate Montana State and beat them 16 times in a row, there was a handful of games that just ended in excruciating fashion for Montana State and heroic fashion for the Grizz. But then also you have the Grizz going to the playoffs every single year. You have the Grizz going on playoff runs, winning the 95 National Championship, winning the 2001 National Championship. And I think that that made the rivalry pretty unhealthy in a lot of different ways. That's where all this little brother talk comes from. As, uh, it, it 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 made it into the monster that it is now, but now the cats have been scratching and clawing and fighting to get back to even, and we're almost there. We're almost nine nine if the cats were to win this weekend. So I think when people use the stats to rub it in your face, that you gotta you gotta go more into the, deep to the stats. Mm-hmm. And you know if you're a Grizz follower, you still have the advantage of the Big Sky era, but just don't sound ignorant by saying, "Well, we we're up thirty two games on it." You are, but if you want to talk about real modern football, it's thirty-one twenty-five Montana, and that's still impressive. But I think that the fact that there has been a real semblance of balance to the rivalry, huge chunks to begin for the Cats and then in the middle for the Grizz, but the last 17 years, one way or the other. And then the last stat I'll give you, this decade, Stats are for losers. the home team has only won in 2014, and 2017. Mm-hmm. The road teams have won every other yes. one of those games. The Cats are 4-1 and one on the road. The Grizz are 3-1 and one on the road. I honestly think that it is easier to play in this game on the road. Because you're I, trying to prove everybody wrong, right? You have this crazy intrinsic motivation to prove everyone around you. You can come together 
Yeah. It, Collectively, it, right? It is. It is. And I don't think it's a matter of, quote-unquote, pressure for the home team. I don't think that's it. But I do think that there is a point of rallying that you have as the road team in this matchup that that uh, that you're seeing evidence of. I really do. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's tough to win this game at home, odd as that sounds. 100%. And Metal Sports Bar and Grill, that's been the good luck charm for both teams in Butte. And that's the other fun factor in this game. Butte, Bozeman, state championship on Friday night, which is going to set the tone because last time that game was in Butte in 2012, one of the best high school events I've ever seen. Yeah, And uh, everybody's eyes will be on Butte for sure Friday night. And that brings in some of that past history too. I mean, Jim Sweeney's from Butte, Sonny Holland's from Butte, Sonny Lubick's from Butte, all the great Montana State coaches from yesteryear, they all have Butte ties, but there's a lot of great Butte people too, including from Montana's side of things. You know, Colt Anderson, the most famous one of the modern generation, but when you really trace the roots back, Bobby Houck's from Butte too. I mean, he grew up in Big Timber, but his dad's from Butte. So Butte, definitely the epicenter, and it's cool that the state championship will be there on Friday. But you asked me what the, who what the, who this means for now. Just broadly in the scope of the history of this rivalry, what do you think of this matchup? The fact that the Cats have a chance to pull even over the last eighteen, but I mean, it it, it it seems as if it's been as back and forth as you could want it to be, which is good for the rivalry. The history of the rivalry is great to talk about. It's great to look at. It's great for you know all the old guys and even some of the young guys to sit here and you know go back and forth on and all that. Uh, it does not matter now. It doesn't matter to this game as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think that you look at this will just be a quote-unquote another brick in the wall from that perspective, you know, from it, within that conversation. And that conversation's had the other 51 weeks of the year. So, you know, in the context of, of the history and the rivalry and what does it mean, all it means is, it's just another opportunity to have the greatest game that you can have. What do you think of the fact that I, I'm not sure what Bobby Houck's going to do, and I'm not sure we're going to ever know what Bobby Houck does this week in terms of exterior preparations, not just the X's and O's and the practices, but, for example, Jeff Chota's had former Bobcats, whether they're coaches or players, come in and speak almost every day during this week for the last three years. And as we know, Jeff Chota's a historian. I mean, he was a high school history teacher, for a decade plus before he dove into the college ranks. And he's had all sorts of guys come and talk to the team and say, this is what CACR is, this is what wearing the Montana State jersey meant to me, means to me. This is the fraternity that you're a part of. They got the 3-7-77 on the back of their helmets, which is a, a testament to the vigilantes in, when Montana was first becoming a state. And they got the 41 jersey to, as homage to Montana as the 41st state in the union. But then on the other side, Montana has the 37 jersey, and they have all these in-state guys. And I'm working on my Montana made that I always do every year, the the list and the recap of every single kid from Montana that's going to play in this game. When Bobby Houck took over the job at Montana, there was 29 kids from the state of Montana playing for the University of Montana. Now there's 52. When Jeff Choate took over at Montana State, there was, I think, 40, and now there's 54. So this is the first time in at least half a decade, but probably even more than that, that more than 100 native Montanans will be listed on the rosters for this game. And is it a surprise that they're both in the top 10 in the country? I don't think so, man. And, I mean, you look at the way that this spread, 
spans just the breadth. You have all the cities in Montana, but you also have representation from Dillon and Huntley Project, Big Fork, Boulder, Polson, Sydney, Steve I, Stevensville, Anaconda, Big Timber, Shoto, Eureka, Fairfield, Townsend, Whitehall, Sunburst, White Sulphur Springs, Savage, Valier. And the coolest part about that is when you're talking about a town like Valier, Montana, I mean, there's like 80 people that live in right. Valier, Montana. Scott Curry, a great player from Valier. His son now plays for the Grizz. You got a whole community. Even if it's only 80 people, you got a whole community that's Grizz. That's right. But then if you look at, you know, like Huntley Project, they got three kids from Huntley Project playing for the Cats in a tiny little Class B town. Done deal. Total cat town. Yep. You know, I yep. think that those elements are are super cool when it comes to this game. But I, I just I think that the Montana flavor is is huge. It is huge. And uh like you said, Coulter, hundred guys from the state of Montana plus playing in this football game are rostered on these two teams. And a great Montana weekend when you talk about the state championship at the double A level in Butte, state championships all over the place on Friday and Saturday, uh uh at the high school level, and then of course the Cat Grizz game. Uh, Saturday in Bozeman this year. Here's my question to you because I have I have a very distinct answer uh, for this. If you are the two head coaches in this game, Jeff Choate and Bobby Howe, what is the what is the sermon that you're preaching this week to your two teams? <laughs> and I'm not not X's and O's stuff. I'm talking about like what what is the angle you're taking to get your guys ready to go? Because I know exactly what I'd be saying if I was both these coaches. I think if you're Jeff Choate, you continue to preach exactly what you've preached for the last four years because I think that's going to be your biggest advantage in this game. No one believes in us back against the wall. Even though we're 8-3, and three, we are the underdogs in this game. The state of Montana thinks that Montana's going to come to Bozeman and wipe the turf with us. I don't know if the collective state of Montana does think that, though. I know there's a ton of Bobcat fans that have a ton of confidence going in this game, and you should. You're already on a three-game winning streak. You already clinched a playoff spot for the second year in a row. I mean, there's no question that Montana has been the surprise team in the FCS this year. But Montana State overall right now, and that could change as of Saturday, is the better program, just in terms of the arc of the program under Jeff Choate. They've been in the playoffs. They were in the playoffs last year. Montana was not. Montana will be in the playoffs. And that whole narrative, the evening out, is all going to change soon, win, lose, or draw for either team. But as of today, Monday, of Cacarez Week, Montana State's the better program. So I think they should have a lot of confidence. But I think you can play up the me-against-the-world sort of attitude. I also think you play up the prestige and the meaning to the people of Montana State. We're doing this for someone bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think you play up the Montana angle. I mean, you talk about these guys. I mean, Cats, Grizz, whatever, throw all the records out. From the from the personal standpoint, Derek Marks, Mitch Brott, and Braden Conkle are three of my favorite kids I ever covered. The arc of my career and the arc of their careers have been so parallel because I was still in the newspaper business when those guys were in high school. So I covered them in high school and then transitioned into my own thing while they transitioned to Montana State, and they had this speed bump with Rob Ash getting let go, and they've made it to the end. And it's like Braden Conkle told me, I'm from Belgrade, Montana. No one believes anybody from Belgrade, Montana. You live in like the the downtrodden suburb of Bozeman where everyone, they mean like all the Bozeman kids call it below grade. Mm. That's all you need to know. Like he's been fighting that stigma his whole time. No one thought he was athletic enough to play safety. He's re- formed his whole body, and got to this point. Derek Marks is my size. He's six foot one, 245, 250 pounds. And he's about to be a four-year starter on the defensive line because of all the dedication that he's done. I mean, he has not missed a practice at Montana State. Mitch Brott, when he was recruited by Rob Ash, everybody in the state knew he was the best offensive lineman in the state. The Cats lowballed him and gave him a half scholarship. 
He's done nothing but use that as a chip on his shoulder. He'll start his 46th straight game. I think you play that up if you're Jeff Joe. You say, this is this is your guys' last shot. Mm-hmm. If you're Bobby Houck, I don't know if Coach Houck operates like he used to, but I know if he does operate like he used to, there is one message and one message alone. Fuck the Cats. We're better than them. We will beat them. That is the end. You hate them. Yes. Play with hate in your heart. <laughs> Destroy them. Right. I think that's it. And I don't know if Bobby Houck still does that, but I can't imagine that it's anything uh, too drastic from that. Here, if I'm if I'm Jeff Choate, I believe most of the things you said. I wouldn't touch too much on the underdog thing. Sure. I would simply say they think they're better than you. Sure. And they have gotten their asses kicked off by us three years in a row, and it's going to happen again. And how sick are you of these so-and-sos who you are better than, who you have never lost to, to come in here and think that they're better than what you are. You are going to prove a message in fire and blood on Saturday. And for Bobby Houck, probably what you said is about what it's going to be. I mean, the first practice that he ever ran, the defensive lineman group, took a jog around the stadium, so like military army style where you run to a cadence that's being sung from the front, FTC, FTC, FTC. That was the marching order day one. I don't think that's changed in 20 years for Bobby Houck. Greatest week of the year. Better than Christmas, better than Thanksgiving. Don't at me. It is. Enjoy yourselves. You don't have to be nice to each other. Just don't be dumbasses. Exactly. Let's not have any violence. Let's not call people something that you would not say in front of your mother on Twitter. Remember, everybody can read that shit. Don't be a dumbass. (laughs) But I love the passion, and I hope everybody has the passion. We'll be back with more Big Sky Breakdown stuff. We're going to give you the three biggest matchups in this game. Ryan Tutel and Brooks Nuanos will be breaking that down. We have so many interviews, I don't even know how I'm going to even make it through the week, but I can't wait for it as well. We're going to have former coaches and players from both sides of this rivalry. Special treat, Bobcat, excuse me, ESPN roundtable mm-hmm. with the one and only big human, big Mike human. Kramer, former Montana State head coach and resident Big Sky Conference historian, and all sorts of other stuff too. And remember, we'll be broadcasting two Telenuanas live, 4 to 6 p.m., Universal Athletic in Bozeman. It's on 7th Avenue. You can't miss it. It's a gigantic, it's their headquarters. Beautiful spot. So come by and see us. we got the Montana Football Hall of Fame. We'll be broadcasting from the Football Hall of Fame. So come see the exhibit. We'll tell you all about our new inductees, all the people we're inducting into this game, including three former Grizzlies and three former Bobcats. And uh, you can also come by and get your up-top clothing. Up-top clothing is going to be a proud sponsor of this show as well. And they sell up-top gear for both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. At Universal Athletics. So come see us. Two Tell One is live, four to six. Universal Athletic on Friday, the day before the big rivalry showdown. As always, this podcast brought to you by Selway Armory and Town Pump. If you need some time to kill, head out to that new Selway Armory out Jackrabbit Lane and Bozeman. It's beautiful, great inventory. No matter what you need in terms of firearms, handguns, shotguns, rifles, ammunition, they got you covered. They got expert advice and the best prices anywhere. And Town Pump, no matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. If you're traveling, first of all, be safe traveling, but I think the weather is going to be pretty good. I think the roads are going to be pretty good. But no matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. If you need gas, a snack, some water, you need to load up for your tailgate, 
Top up sky covered. Couple things on both those, Coulter. First of all, the new Selway store in Bozeman is absolutely spectacular. Uh, went out there and uh, and checked it out. It's it's really really impressive. And it's hunting season, so and also a Black Friday coming up. They have a huge, massive Black Friday sale. So go in there on Black Friday and Saturday, biggest deals of the year. But also they can do work on your rifle. You know, if something happens, you bang it around out there in the woods while you're walking around trying to find an animal. Uh, you know, bring it in there. They can get you all serviced up on that stuff. And also, of course, uh, you know, if you do, it's time for an upgrade, maybe it's just a new scope, whatever it might be, there is no place better than Selway Armory. Town Pump, God bless you, because uh, as a father with three small children and, frankly, a wife and even myself, because, you know, I'm doing <laughs> the coffees and the waters as you go. you got to stay hydrated on the highway. Uh, you got to have a nice place to pull over and go to the bathroom, man. It's just a reality. And uh, in addition to all the snacks, obviously, the gas getting you everywhere you need to go, you just know that it's just going to be, you know, convenience store uh, bathrooms, Coulter, they don't have the greatest reputation. You know what I mean? Best and bathrooms so, ever. To park. have a place where you could go, you know what? I could take my child in here, and it's going to be okay. You know what? I won't have to go immediately to the ER when I'm done here. That's nice. So thank you to Town Pump for that. That's why we go there, uh, along with a hundred other reasons. Big Sky Breakdown, Gus Tutel, check back with us. We'll have a couple more Big Sky Breakdowns for you this week, as well as full and endless coverage on Tutel and Duanis. Tune in. 4 to 6 p.m. on 129 ESPN Missoula or statewide SWX Montana Television. Greatest week of the year. Thanks so much for being with us. The Big Sky Breakdown marches on. Greatest week of the year. Everybody talks about all these holidays. Well, it's Cat Grizz. It's Grizz Cat. It's the Brawl of the Wild. Greatest rivalry in the West. Fiercest rivalry in college football. Here we are. Number three, Montana. At number eight, Montana State. The showdown is set in Bozeman on Saturday. And this Big Sky Breakdown continues with Brooks Nuanas from SkylineSportsMT.com. And Brooks, we're going to get into the, some of the matchups and stuff like that a little bit later on in the week. But right now, this, this one's just about memories and feelings. So here we are going into this game. And I told the story with Ryan Tutel a little earlier in this podcast about how when we launched Skyline Sports heading into the 2015 season, you had a preseason top five team in Montana State. We had a new coach at Montana and Bob Stitt who went and beat the number one team in the country in North Dakota State in his first game. And we thought it was going to be off and rolling. We thought this exact matchup we have right now this weekend was going to be commonplace because it always had. Not, not, not necessarily two top ten teams, but Cat Grizz having an influence on the Big Sky title and the playoff picture. It just really hasn't been the case. Those 2015 Grizz got in the playoffs. Last year the Cats snuck in the playoffs. Other than that, not the reign of dominance we've been used to around the Treasure State. But now here we are, and they're both back. They're both going to be in the playoffs no matter what. This game is for playoff seeding. This game is for home field advantage in the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, the 119th edition of the greatest rivalry in college football is for the Great Divide Trophy as well. So just your initial thoughts on Cat Grizz, Grizz, Cat, whatever you want to call it, coming into this Saturday's game. Well, it's definitely Cat Grizz, and that's just because it is what it is. There's no argument, and there's definitely no reasoning. Uh, so that's plain and simple. The breakdown you just gave is, is, is pretty apt. And the thing is that this has not been a thing for a very long time, both Montana and Montana State being so good. It's been a very long time, in fact, and I would say it's been more than just the four going on five seasons that we have been doing this at Skyline Sports. It's been a little bit longer than that. There were some really good teams um, that the Cats and the Grizz 
put forth in 2011, 2012, and even 13 wasn't bad. 14 was a little bit down, and 15 was an okay year, but compared to where these teams are now, world's different. We're talking about contenders, and I think that both teams have the ability to make some noise in the playoffs, and I think that if all things go right, uh, according to draw and according to seeding, that either team could make a deep run. And I think Montana is probably set up um, at, at the number three seed currently. Um, if they were to take care of business on Saturday with a pretty nice slot in the in, in the playoff picture in the national tournament, which I do want to preface, we are so lucky to have at the FCS level. I think it is probably the strongest sporting tournament. In the country, um, I think that March Madness in the tournament of 64 includes a lot of parity and a lot of uh, dynamic games because basketball is a different sport. But I think football is so unique to have such a long tournament, um, including so many teams seeded, conference champions, at-large bids. Um, in football, it acts a lot like the NFL playoffs, but it's even larger. Um, and it includes more teams, and it includes a little bit more parity due to traveling and uncommon opponents. Uh, so more than anything, this seems like the start of the playoffs for me and, uh, and the 119th edition of Cat Grizz in Bozeman. I mean, it's about to go down. No doubt. And I was thinking about this earlier today. When you cover teams in depth like we do, uh, I think you can see the strengths and weaknesses of the teams uh, on a very high level. You, you, micros- you analyze them through a microscope. And I think sometimes that lends you to think that teams maybe are a little bit better than they actually are on the national level, but sometimes also you scrutinize them a little bit more than maybe they deserve. And I was thinking about how you always just kind of gravitate toward the Cats and Grizz being pretty good just because of the schools that they are, the traditions that they have, the players that they've always been able to get, even in their down years, the talent that they have. But then there's been this crazy thing that's happened in the big sky with a lot of teams that have gotten better. And if you think, okay, Montana and Montana State are pretty good, and they're like the fifth and sixth best teams in the league. Okay, so there's like six good teams in the league. But then you think to yourself, on the national level, for the fifth or best, sixth best team in the Big Sky, you really all aren't all that good. And we've seen this thing shift. And after watching the games these two teams have played the last three weeks, I think that sometimes the over-scrutiny can get in the way and sometimes the maybe over-hype can get in the way. But actually, I was thinking about it today, and from what I've watched, and I've really tried to follow FCS on a national level a lot more this year because I have a vote. We have a vote. Skyline Sports has a vote in the uh, FCS Stats Top 25 poll. And so I've always made sure to check out the highlights from at least the Missouri Valley and the Colonial Athletic and, and maybe some of the other teams from the smaller leagues that are getting some hype. And all of a sudden, when you look around the country, I actually do think Montana, it's not just the ranking and based on the games that they've won and the conference that they're in. I really do think Montana is one of the top four or five teams in the country. I really do think, even with the flaws that Montana State has, I really do think they're one of the top seven or eight teams in the country. I, I would pick Montana State likely to beat almost every team I've seen play this year, except for maybe North Dakota State, South Dakota State, James Madison, We'll see if Mon- about Montana. We're going to find out on Saturday. And then, you know, Weber State, Montana State, I think would be a good game. You watched Weber State on Saturday, Brooks. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, Weber State, Montana State would be a good game, right? Very, very similar. Uh, their, their deficiencies are, are almost exactly the same, and their physicality across the board paired with depth and culture is, is very similar. 
Totally, right? And we saw Sac State, and Sac State actually might be the, the most impressive team that we've seen so far this year, just in their ability to out-execute Montana and Montana State in those two games. But I also think they had a little bit of an element of surprise. What I'm getting at is it's not just because they're the four best teams in the Big Sky, and the Big Sky finally has the reputation it deserves on the national level after not having that over the last five or six years. I really do think that though the four best teams in the Big Sky this week in the poll, Montana is number three, Montana State's number eight, and in between there, you got Weaver State at uh, number six, Sac State number four. I really do think those are all accurate rankings. I do think all four teams, if the season ended today, would deserve a playoff seed. I think that's excellent for the Big Sky Conference, but I also think that the, the prestige of the league, the national reputation of the league, has returned because Montana and Montana State are two of those teams. It's absolutely true. It's so hard to justify a, a four-team for the Big Sky getting seeded if it's no offense to Southern Utah, um, if it's a team like UC Davis that has been kind of an upstart in the last three or four seasons, uh, the national prestige, especially on the West Coast, there's a lot of bias to West Coast sports just due to the time change. And I think that I always was so thankful to grow up in the West Coast and, and see NBA games. You know, the second game of a, of a doubleheader uh, kick, uh, tips off at 8 p.m. Uh, right now, Monday Night Football is going gonna, is gonna to kick at 6.20 instead of instead of 9.20 on the East Coast. As a kid, you're going to sleep. And as a, as a sports media guy on the East Coast, there's not a lot of relevance to watching a game at 1 o'clock in the morning in a Big Sky conference. So there has been a little bit of this down, the, the Big Sky a feeling of it being down due to some of the lack of top heaviness. There has not been Montana, Montana State. Eastern has always been able to make some noise in the last decade and probably the most prominent team. The Weber State, another town, another team in a kind of a sleepy Rocky Mountain town that doesn't necessarily get the, the acclaim that they should, but if they do, it makes it look like the league is a little bit down. Montana, Montana State being the flagship schools is so important to the health of the league. I couldn't agree with you more. Take us through some of your most vivid Cat Grizz memories. What stands out to you just about this rivalry in general? I dropped some stats with Ryan Tutel, and I think that we are in the heart of the most competitive time in the rivalry because you look at, you know, Montana is 72 and 40 against Montana State. That's always brought up. But when you look at when the Big Sky Conference was founded in 1963, Montana State won 17 of the first 23 games between these two teams. They had two different six-game winning streaks. Then they had the three-game winning streak between 1983 and 1985, including a win during the 1984 national championship season. Then Montana hires Don Reed, opens Washington Grizzly Stadium, and the streak ensues. And Montana wins 16 straight. And that turns the record around. All of a sudden now, uh, Montana Montana has the advantage over Montana State despite starting off by losing 17 of the first 23 in the rivalry. But since Montana State snapped the streak in Missoula in 2002, the Grizz have won nine, the Cats have won eight, so this is exactly almost dead even, and the Cats are on their first three-game winning streak in this rivalry since the mid-'80s. It's all of a sudden now been a little while since the Grizz have had a three-game winning streak in this rivalry. So the rivalry has really evened itself out despite or alongside the ebbs and flows of these two programs. But in your modern history of watching this game, being a part of the program with Montana for a couple of these games, and then now covering this stuff along with me for the last six years, what are some of the, the vivid memories that stick out to you? 
Well, there was definitely some interesting ones during my time at Montana. Um, you know, 2009 was was the season that Montana went undefeated um, and, and came in, into Bozeman and, and really put a hurting on the Cats. It was really interesting to watch uh, Bobcat fans uh, ridicule Brock Coyle, a Bozeman native, and a friend of mine. And that was such an interesting dynamic uh, to be kind of introduced to the rivalry on a personal level. Uh, you know, growing up in Missoula, I had seen a lot of Cat Grizz and have a lot of memories just of of Montana winning. I was, I was a, more, more or less a kid and a teenager during a lot of the streak. And that was always kind of just commonplace uh, in my understanding of the rivalry. I know that my first under, my, my first memory of, of Cat Grizz was, I think it was probably 99 or 2000, 99. Brian Ayat was the quarterback, kind of the first guy I had ever seen. <clears throat> that was actually 96. Uh, and 96. then, and then and yeah. Drew Drew Miller was that quarterback in '99, but that yeah, back when Montana was throwing the ball all over the place. They were throwing the ball over the place. I remember it being a close game. I think the, the Grizz won by one score, um, but that was an early memory. I was pretty young at that point. But then in 2009, that was a very interesting game. Uh, Grizz went on to go undefeated all the way to the national championship and lose to Villanova. Uh, but the, it was kind of a, a statement game of capping off an undefeated regular season that I got to be a part of, which was really unique. Um, and then the next year in 2010. Uh, the Bobcats came into Washington Grizzly Stadium and and put up a really good fight. Uh, got to got to a, kind of a dual quarterback system at Montana with with Sell and Roper, but I know that Roper struggled. Um, Montana State had Lorenzo Davis who ran all over the ran over the field. I know Mike Ryder had an interception to close that game out. It was a, a very vivid memory. Um, and then the next season was probably the most interesting game to me. I know uh, a Denarius McGee led Bobcat team, the number one team in the country. And hosted in Bozeman, Montana came in and they put a thumping on them. Jordan Johnson was electric that game. I know Javon Sambrano had a great game. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, Jordy Tripp, uh, some Grizz legend guys that really showed out. I can't remember the score. I think 38, 38-14, 38-10. Um, Grizz put a whooping on them that day. And it was kind of this back and forth, 9-10-11. You're wondering who was on top. Montana State was, was really the run, especially behind Zanarius McGee, Cody Kirk. Uh, so kind of that little stretch run of, of 9, 10, 11, uh, when both teams were toiling in that top 10 was probably some of my best memories, certainly. How about you? Oh, man. I remember um, I remember vividly the 2004 game because that was a game that was really the affirmation of the launch point of the Bobby Houck era, and then Montana surged all the way to the national championship game uh, in that year. I, of course, remember uh, 2007 because one of my dumbass friends made a bunch of fake tickets to the game in Bozeman and (laughs) sold a hundred of them. And we were not in the stadium by the time we were trying to use our fake ticket, which we did not know was fake by the time that spread around. So rather than getting arrested or getting humiliated or getting beat up, we decided to just not even try to go into the game and listen to it on the radio and drink a keg. And so we did that, and we watched the score on the scoreboard and hardly watched any of the game, but we had it on the radio, and that was definitely one of my muddiest and most fun teenage days. Uh, Never forget 2008 when Montana came out of the tunnel uh, wearing their copper and gold. Ah, certainly. And Bobby Houck gives the classic after the game, I wish the – Game was five quarters long, so we could keep on kicking their ass. I know Montana State fans hate that. I thought it was hilarious. 
Uh, but then also, you know, when I moved back to Montana, I started covering Montana State, I thought that the 2010 game, the coldest game I can ever remember in the Cacarias rivalry, Lorenzo Davis and his explosive touchdown run that basically was the deciding factor in that 2010 win and how that set the stage. I mean, it, it really set the stage for the decade because everybody was wondering, man, they got this quarterback, Denarius McGee, he's a freshman. And mm-hmm. Cody, Cody Kirk had not arrived on the scene yet. And <clears throat> Caleb Streibice and Brad Daly, those guys had not emerged yet. But they had some stalwarts, some carryovers. You know, they, they had learned from guys like Dane Fletcher and they had guys like Mike Person. And that really set the tone for the Rob Ash uh, game. And then I thought, or Rob Ash era, excuse me. And then in 2011, I thought that the number, the worst thing that happened to Montana State in 2011 was getting ranked number one in the country going into that game because the Cats were damn good. And Montana had been surging. Jordan Johnson threw six touchdowns against Weaver State. And Montana, they, they had really struggled to master Robin Flugrad's offense for the first 15 games he was the head coach. And then it clicked, and they started just destroying people. And I remember that 2011 game when Elvis Akpla, All-American receiver for the Cats, came over the middle, and I thought Caleb McSurdy killed him. I, th- I thought he ended his life. And that's, that set the tone for one of the biggest ass-weapons I've ever seen in the Cat Grizz game. But then that group of Bobcat guys came back to Missoula and won for a second straight time. And at that moment, that was unprecedented. And that set the stage then for what we've seen this decade where it's been road team, road team, road team, road team. And I, have Je- I asked Jeff Choate about today in our one-on-one after the press conference, which I'll post a little bit later on this week. But he said, you know, when you're the home team, there is so many distractions. you got alumni and former players and boosters from all over the country calling you. Can I get a sideline pass? You know, you're at home. All of a sudden, every great player in program history is standing there watching you. you got to perform for them. And I think that's why we've seen Montana State's won four out of their last five Cacarys games on the road. Montana's won three out of their last four Cacarys games on the road. 2017, the last time the game was in Bozeman, that was the first time the Cats have won in Bozeman in 12 years. And Montana, when they won in 2014, when Jake Bleskin threw all those interceptions, that was the only time the Grizz have won at home this decade. And so that 2012 win behind the strength of Rory Perez in a strong run game, that was a, a seismic moment in the Big Sky Conference because that moment, it showed the Cats could rebound from the disappointing time a year before. They went to the playoffs. They got a seed. They won a game. And in the meantime, Montana hit rock bottom. They had their first losing season in 30 years missed the playoffs for the second time in three years, and that was sort of the, the first inkling that, wow, things don't last forever. Things can fall from grace. You're not just going to win 100 Big Sky Championships in a row. At some point, something's going to happen to derail it, and it happened in catastrophic fashion at Montana. And then you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, I thought that's when the rivalry really got out of hand in terms of the ramifications of the game. Because all of a sudden, because the teams weren't as nationally competitive, the game itself mattered more than anything. It mattered more than the results of a season. It mattered more than a nine-year tenure that saw Rob Ash win 70 games, win the Big Sky three years in a row, go to the playoffs four out of five times. But he can't beat the Grizz, so he's out. He's fired. And I think that Montana State's got back on its feet now, four years into Jeff Choate's tenure. But make no mistake, I think the program at the time, and I think you would agree, needed a change. But I don't think people realized how arduous and long of a road it was going to be back to being nationally elite when you're the Cats. And on the other side, you saw the same thing. I mean, Mick Delaney stemmed the tide a little bit, but then when Bob Stitt came in, 21-14 and 14 was not good enough. He was out from, winning, from losing two straight Cat Grizz games. 
and Bobby Houck returns. And I think that these two guys get the rivalry more than anybody, Jeff Choate and Bobby Houck. I think it's really good for the state. But I also think that the ramifications of this game have sort of gone out of control. But I think that I think Brooks, you would agree, especially after you listen to Coach Houck's press conference, which I just posted, skylinesportsmt.com, so go check that out. But you were there live in person with Jeff Choate, and I was there live in person with Bobby Houck. A certain calm about this game this year, which I think is interesting, because I think when you have to win it to get into the playoffs, or it is your Super Bowl, there is no playoffs on the horizon, the pressure is insane. It's tremendous. I mean, you can salvage a losing season by beating the Cats. Jeff Choate did it two years in a row, uh, by beating the Grizz if you're Jeff Choate. And on the other side, if you're Montana, you can't afford to lose to the Cats anymore. But because both these teams are going to the playoffs, I think it, it dims a little bit the the importance of it within the s- scope of a single season. So I think that we've seen perhaps the most hyperactive and in certain ways unhealthy portion of the rivalry, but also we've seen a tremendous back and forth, a tremendous pendulum swing, which culminates now in the last year of this decade. And finally, at long last, these two teams are back. Selway Armory on Black Friday is the one store you have to visit to save huge on guns, ammo, and accessories. Check out Selway Armory's insert in the Thanksgiving edition of the Bozeman Chronicle before Black Friday to see all of the unbelievable inventory and savings they have in store for you. Put Selway Armory on your schedule and get there this Black Friday and Saturday for the sale of the year. Get to the store at the corner of Baxter and Jackrabbit in front of Big Sky Archery and Zero In. Selway Armory's Black Friday sale. Shop local, save money, shoot more. There's a lot of good points there, and I agree with you on almost every one of them. It, it's, it certainly is amazing how quickly you can fall from grace in college football and how long it can take to, to, to lift you back up. And that starts with players. It always has, and it probably always will. So much of this stuff falls back on coaches. And that's probably my favorite part of this game is, is the importance of players and, and the importance of Montana players. It's so rare that this game hinges on someone that's not from Montana. Uh, we've named so many greats. Um, you talked about Caleb McSurdy and Elvis Akbar. Those guys both aren't from Montana, but that game probably didn't hinge on, on their shoulders. So that part of it's been really unique. Um, we'll, we'll be putting out the Montana-made rosters from of all the Montana kids from each side of the ball. And that's such a unique piece, and it, it, it fills me with a lot of pride. I mean, I, I have a ton of pride in Montana, and what we do um, stems so much from the from the deep lineage and culture that surrounds football in Montana, especially at the prep level, um, as it transitions into what we consider such a high level of Division One football. Uh, we talk about that all the time on this podcast. Is our expectations for these teams are nationally elite because of of the level of of commitment from the state, from the kids, from the administrations, all the way down through uh, the culture of each and every school is so heavily predicated on football that the expectations are, are always high. This year, there is a calming element of it in the sense that both teams have so much more to play for than this game, but I sure hope that that won't take away from it, and I know it won't. I thought today Bobby Houck said some interesting things about the amount of hate that's in this rivalry and how maybe that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, Jeff Choate talked to a lot of praise about his foe in Montana and some of the, the leaps and bounds they've made under Bobby Houck, changing the entire culture of physicality, of effort, which has always been such a mainstay at Montana. Um, so both coaches took a different stance than I, than I was honestly anticipating. But don't get anything wrong here. Anyone listening, 
don't get anything wrong here. This game will be a bloodbath when that ball is kicked off, and there's really no way around that. Last thing for you, we'll get you out of here on this. You were live and in person at the Grizz game this last weekend, 35-16 win over Weber State in which Montana... Yeah, ba- barely made it out alive, just like the Wildcats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, 35-16 does not do that game justice. Montana whooped that ass. They beat the shit out of Weber State. They only had the ball for 15 minutes in the first three quarters, and they were still up 35-3. It's like Bobby Houck said in the press conference today, he said... I was really happy to get to play everybody. I mean, they literally played everybody in the fourth quarter, and that is a crazy thing when you're talking about the number three team in the country who's only who had a 13-game league winning streak and two straight Big Sky titles coming in, the barometer of toughness in the league before that game, and Montana definitely was the tougher and more aggressive team for sure. Uh, but you've also covered the Cats, Colsey Brooks. You've been doing all the press conference interviews with Jeff Choate, doing all the player interviews and watching the Cats closely, both home and away. So uh, we'll, we'll get into all the key matchups of this specific game, but just give me your take on where Montana's at right now, what they've done these last three weeks after losing to Sacramento State to surge into this game with a three-game winning streak, and then Montana State. What do you think they've done well and where they're at uh, to have a three, uh, themselves a three-game winning streak coming into this game as well? Yeah, they're both really hot. I, mean, I want to make one quick uh, note since I probably won't get to again on the Weber State Montana game. It was damn near criminal. Uh, the things that were happening in that game on a physicality element from Montana were things that I really haven't seen in a really long time. I and, mean, and, and you got to, you got to, it comes with a specific thing. Like you really do get to see a lot of stuff that no one else does because you have a magnifying glass to watch the point of attack. I do. And I also I sit. 10 feet away from contact at times. And there was things that were, I would not want children to see. And I'm not even kidding. There was hits that took a man's soul. I mean, there was guys that as tough as Weber state is, I can't believe there wasn't the, they didn't bring the cart out on the field to take some of these guys off. I mean, it was bone crushing domination for 60 straight minutes. I, and I, I don't want to speak in platitudes, I just have not seen a whole lot of things like that in my entire life. I've been around some really physical teams. I was around guys that six NFL draft picks, teams that went undefeated, playing in practice physically, going up against people like this. And I have not really seen a whole lot like I saw on Saturday with Montana versus Weber. So I'll start with Montana. The surge is immense. Uh, The physicality element is so unique. And it's also so new for a team that has not felt that ability to be as physical, no matter what you learn about history at Montana, no matter what Bobby Help can tell you about the past, you do not know what it means to play like a physical Montana team until you do it. And I think that they have been building to that point. But this was a this was the, the tipping point on Saturday. That they they took a team that I consider the most physically and culturally dominant team in the big sky in this last decade whether or not they were putting up the same points as Eastern Washington, I'm not sure about that. But the way that they played Maine last year in the playoffs, the way that I think they could match up with a lot of Missouri Valley teams, the culture that Jay, still, Jay Hill uh, has implemented on special teams as well as defense, I think that Montana took the will of a team that has been nationally relevant for a decade, and they flushed it. And I'm really worried to see what Weber State does because of how, how much they were manhandled. Montana has now, they have, they've, They've tasted that blood. They understand what it means. Uh, Jeff Choate talked a lot about today. If people aren't familiar with partying on the pile, you're about to see it. No matter what happens on Saturday, 
Montana has 11 hats on the football at all times, and they talk a ton of shit. They're leaning over players. The classic, what you would believe to be taunting on every single play. It is a relentless nature of, of physicality and young machismo styles of football where you really truly play with your heart on your sleeve and it's with reckless abandon. It is, it's, everything is out there, and they have been building this this, and I've seen it for three weeks in a row. But Weber State really was, a, was such a pivotal game for them to do that heading into Kakarin. And then on the other side, Montana State has been building in a lot of a similar ways. They really lost a lot of identity in the middle of the season with back-to-back losses to Sacramento State, the bye week, then North Dakota. I think they had some injuries that were pretty pivotal that seem to have been on the men now. Um, Travis Johnson, uh, receiver, Wildcat quarterback, kind of do it all, transfer from Oregon via uh, junior college, is the kind of athlete that is a game-changer. He was a game-changer last year in Missoula, catching a deep pass in the fourth quarter on the cat sideline that led to a Troy Anderson touchdown, was the go-ahead touchdown. Um, That kind of kid is the kind of guy that you need, and he's suffering from a hit pointer and sat out the majority of two weeks. He looked good last week. Isaiah Infante, I thought the best freshman uh, in the league last year, maybe alternatives to Josh Davis, but I thought that Isaiah Infante had a tremendous freshman year and came in and had a knee injury that most of this entire year. He's played in less than five total games. I would say the better part of three. Uh, he looked really good and energized last week too. And then Troy Anderson just keeps on surging. The more hurt he gets, the stronger he gets somehow. Um, you know, Hercules continues to live. And that's hard to believe considering that he has no arms and no legs and still runs uh, a four, four and can, can, throw people around at the point of contact on offense and on defense. I think both teams are surging in the right fashion. The, the interesting part about this game is there's only a couple outcomes, and we'll talk about that a lot this week, but those outcomes really rely on what that, what's the score at halftime. I really can't, I can't wait to see, because if the Cavs can hang on offensively till halftime, it's going to be just an absolute throw down the second half. Physicality on both sides. Uh, identity on defense on both sides. Uh, what more do you want than you don't want a shootout, which it could happen. It, Montana could run up the score. You never know how that works, but you want physical Montana styles of football on a 45 degree day, sunny Bozeman, Montana. I think it's kind of the peak of what we, uh, what we, what we do this for, why we like this, uh, why we're talking right now. Can't wait. It's going to be epic. Shout out sportsmt.com. Check us out. we got all sorts of stuff. Later on tonight, we'll be dropping our Montana Made. I know that's a fan favorite on both sides. 48 Montana Natives suiting up for the Montana Grizzlies. 46 for the Montana State Bobcats. A total of 94 Native Montanans. we got breakdowns from every single town, every single high school, every single classification. All the stats and, and uh, synopsis you need for both sides of this thing. So check out that. We also have matchup stories looking at... Montana's the fronts versus the fronts, the offensive lines versus the defensive lines, Montana State's run game versus Montana's run defense, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then we'll have features on Montana's senior class as well as it is the fiercest rivalry in college football, and on November 22nd, Universal Athletic, Uptop Clothing, and ESPN Missoula will team together to bring you a special edition of Tutel Nuanes. Broadcasting from the Universal Athletic headquarters in Bozeman, swing into Universal Athletic to check out the Montana Football Hall of Fame, get your Grizz and Bobcat gear, and hear the best sports talk radio in Montana previewing the 119th rendition of the historic rivalry. Universal Athletic and Uptop Clothing are passionate supporters of athletics around the great state of Montana. On ESPN Missoula, owner and operator of SkylineSportsMT.com. 
Coulter, it's great to chat with you, my man, and it's great to chat with you on one of my favorite weeks of the year, and that's the Brawl of the Wild Week and high school football state titles. Yeah, absolutely. My greatest week of the year, no question. Call me a curmudgeon, but I like this way better than any holiday. Christmas, Thanksgiving, 4th of July. Can't hold a candle. Cat Grizz, Grizz Cat, whatever you want to call it. State championship weekend around the state of Montana for both the college and high school levels. This is Christmas to me. This is what I live for. I love it. <laughs> it really is, man. It really is. And Colter, let's just start with this, man. I said this to over my show, and I, I think this, I said it last week, with this type of game, uh, this, I think, sets and says to the rest of the country, it says it to the people in Fargo, it says it to the people over at JMU, that the Grizz are a national power. They are national relevantly, never nationally relevant once again after their win over Weber State. What do you think? Man, I think both these teams are now. I mean, having now that I have a vote in the Stats FCS national poll, I've been really trying to monitor the rest of the league or the rest of the country, excuse me. And uh, you know, I've watched James Madison live, North Dakota State live, South Dakota State live. I think those three teams are the cream of the crop in the country. But I also think that Sac State, Weber State, Montana, Montana State are right there. They're better than any other team I've seen live on film this entire season. I think that's a testament to the improvements of the Big Sky. But I also think that. The Big Sky is is and always will be at its best when Montana and Montana State are two of the best teams in the league, and that's the case this year. I thought Montana absolutely made a statement on Saturday. It wasn't just the big plays. It wasn't just the special teams domination. It was the fact that Weber State has won the Big Sky Championship the last two years by physically intimidating and tossing teams around, and Montana destroyed Weber State from a physical perspective. They from the very first play of the game. I mean, three plays into the game, they block a punt, and they did not stop partying on the pile until the game was over. I thought it was it was honestly shocking. I, I think Weber State had no idea what to do. They have not encountered a physical game like that since the quarterfinals of the playoffs last year when the main Black Bears came to Ogden and destroyed them with a pass rush and a physical style that I thought they weren't ready for. And that's not to demean any of the physicality that Weber State brings. I thought they were... You know, as advertised, Montana just played with significantly more effort. And I think that's what people that follow Montana football are seeing. Like when you look at the what the Grizz do, especially on defense, there's very little reaction that goes along with what Montana does on defense. They're not trying to answer what the offense is doing. They're just straight bringing the heat and trying to put you down. I mean, they, they blitz six guys on every single play, sometimes seven. They leave their secondary out on an island. It's why they're giving up 300 yards passing a game, but they do not care. They know if they get home to the ball carry, whoever's got the ball in his hands, whether it's a running back or a quarterback, they know if they hit that guy early and often, he's going to tap out. And we've seen that over and over and over again with quarterbacks turning the ball over late in games and running backs shying away and not being able to to answer the bell in the fourth quarter. And I think that it's – I'm not sure that Montana is completely back to the level that they were at during Bobby Houck's first tenure, but Saturday was an absolutely uh, memorable and important step towards reaching that level again, and I think that they're getting close. I think they're certainly one of the nationally elite teams this year, and if they continue to play with the effort and enthusiasm that they have the last month, they have a chance, a real chance to make a run in the playoffs. I was about to say, Coulter, what do you think about this team? Obviously, we're going to get to the brawl of the wild, not trying to overlook this game at all. But I mean, I look at this football team, I think there's definitely a deep playoff run if they play the way they've been playing. Well, they have a couple distinct advantages in the fact that they have a few of the individually best players in the entire country. I mean, I think Dalton Sneed 
is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the country. I think for the scheme that Montana runs defensively, I think Dante Olson's the best defensive player in the country. I, I it's it's crazy to say that the guy has 133 tackles going into the last regular season game, and his production is going to fall short of last year because <laughs> he was he was out of this world last year. I think he had 164 tackles, but still 133 is amazing. And then you have to also couple in the fact that Jace Lewis has emerged as an absolute All Big Sky candidate at linebacker. He has 104 tackles. Robbie Houck has 105 tackles. So it's being spread around a little bit more, but 133 tackles, that doesn't even begin to describe what Dante Olsen does. He's the tone setter with how he hits, the way he runs to the ball, the effort he gives. And Montana, they can run this smoke and mirrors, as Bobby Houck calls it, voodoo defense with all this bogus pressure and all these zone blitzes and all these different elements because Dante Olsen can play gap to gap and he can play multiple gaps. He gives them all the advantages in the world in terms of their confusion and then when you talk about the back end, Gavin Robertson's improvements combined with Bobby with Robbie Houck's uh, ability to run the alley, combined with Josh Sanders' open field tackling, that lets Montana get away with this scheme too. Because the way that they run it, you're gonna get the the, the opposing offense is likely going to get big chunk plays, but because those back end guys have been tackling so well, they're not turning into touchdowns. And Montana's just been able to boat race people because they can go score, stop, score faster than any team I've ever covered. And that they've gone on, count them up, eight different runs of 24 points or more in games. This is not basketball, Anthony. They're going on 24 <laughs> nothing runs in football games, which is just amazing. I mean, they have been lights out after halftime. They have not played a single-score game this entire season. So, I mean, I think that the, the momentum and confidence they've been able to build and that combined with the fact that now they've put themselves in a position to – host multiple playoff games, and we all know how hard it is to win at Washington Grizzly Stadium in November and December. So I, I do think Montana has set the table for itself. Now they just got to keep Dalton Sneed healthy, they got to keep everybody else healthy, and they got to figure out a way to carry this momentum through this rivalry game because I do think that, honestly, Montana State's going to if, – if Montana State – say that the Grizz are going to host a playoff game or two, Montana State's the best opponent the Grizz are going to play in the next three or four weeks. So they got to figure out a way to how to harness and carry this momentum – through this game, because if they can, I think they're a real threat to make a run to the semifinals or maybe even farther in the national playoffs. Corey, let's flip it. Let's talk about Montana State getting the win over UC Davis. Defense does a great job. Huge stops. I mean, Scrimpos with the blocked field goal, the fourth and one play, which I felt like was the real turnaround in that game, as UC Davis did have some momentum. And I actually thought this too. I thought Tucker, in terms of the throws he made, statistically, I don't know if it was his best game. I thought it was some of the throws that he needed to make in the time that he needed to make them. I thought he played extremely well. What did you think about the Bobcats' win over Davis? I thought it was a huge win. I was saying this on Two Total Nuanas earlier today. Sometimes when teams in the FCS have high expectations and they don't live up to those expectations, and then because of that disappointment, they fade down the stretch, sometimes it makes it look like not as good of a win as it really is. Make no mistake, Saturday was the best win of Montana State's season. They beat number 13, Southeast Missouri State, on the Gold Rush game the second week of the year. They beat them handily. That SEMO team is an eight-win team now. They're likely going to make the playoffs. They're still in the top 15 in the polls. So on paper, that looks like the best win. UC Davis is better than SEMO. UC Davis just came into this season with high expectations, and then they had the absolutely brutal gauntlet where they had to play North Dakota State, Montana, North Dakota in consecutive weeks, and they lost three in a row. And I think that really robbed 
the momentum of their season. I think they haven't been able to bounce back from that on a mental perspective. And you look at the record, I mean, they're sitting there at 5-6. and six. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're playing their rival Sac State. But don't be surprised when UC Davis gives Sac State a really good game. And I wouldn't honestly be surprised if Davis wins. I mean, I think Sac State's an awesome team, and I think that they'll certainly be the favorites. But it would not shock me whatsoever if Davis won that game because I think that's the kind of talent Davis has. I think that the expectations and the disappointment really got away from them. But I thought, I thought Montana State, they were in this slugfest. They made some mistakes, and you're wondering, man, are they going to fizzle? And if they do, are they going to get beat in Bozeman too and miss the playoffs? How disappointing would that be? But then their defense absolutely rose to the occasion, just like they have all month. Stepped up. They did not give up a first down the last 17 and a half minutes of that game. They shut out the Aggies in the fourth quarter. Jake Mayer does not throw a touchdown pass at home for the first time in his entire UC Davis career. And Montana State wins going away. They go on a 13-0 run in the fourth quarter to win that game. I thought Travis Johnson's return to the lineup was huge. Isaiah Infante's return to the lineup, you can't state how huge that is. That's going to be an enormous factor down the stretch here for Montana State. And I also think that you know, sometimes the way that most people watch football by following the ball and the way that quarterback play has become so prevalent and so important across all levels of football, the mercurial nature and the inconsistencies Montana State has experienced on quarter, at quarterback I think has taken away from and cast a shadow over the evaluation of the rest of the team. But this team's leading the league and is eighth in the country in rushing, despite not having Isaiah Fonse for most of the year, despite having Troy Anderson in a limited role. And then defensively, take away a trick play by North Dakota and a touchdown by Southern Utah against Montana State's third string and a tip pick six at the line by Northern Colorado and then a garbage time touchdown by UNC. And this team has given up 24 points in their last four games as far as starters versus starters, Montana State's first team defense. They're giving up about a touchdown per contest their last four games. And the defense is playing at an incredibly high level. And I think the number one thing you could say about this Bobcat team is as good the defense has played the last month, they still haven't played their best game. They still haven't had all of their star, talented players. You know, from Amandre Williams, Derek Marks, and Bryce Dirk up front, to Troy Anderson, Callahan O'Reilly, Josh Hill in the linebacker core, to Braden Conkle and Jack Way Allen on the back end. They have not had all of those guys play at an elite level in the same game. If that happens, Montana State could be really prone to make a run as well. And I really think that that program deserves a ton of respect to have their backs shoved up against the wall after an absolutely terrible and, quite honestly, embarrassing performance at North Dakota. They completely wiped the slate, and they have just destroyed teams the last three weeks. And they've set themselves up. They're going to go to the playoffs for the second year in a row, and they have a chance to beat the Grizz for the fourth year in a row. So, I mean, in the preseason, Anthony, I had these two teams as eight-win teams coming into this game. And Montana exceeded expectations a little bit, but here we are now. we got a Cat Grizz game with Big Sky Conference ramifications, national playoff ramifications, and no matter what, it's not going to be the last football game in Montana for either of these two teams. So I think all things considered, we couldn't really ask for more. Definitely uh, can't disagree with that. Colter Nuwana is joining us here. Host of Tutel Nuwana is owner and operator SkylineSportsMT.com. We'll get Colter's thoughts on that game next here on the Knock on Sports.
Selway Armory on Black Friday is the one store you have to visit to save huge on guns, ammo, and accessories. Check out Selway Armory's insert in the Thanksgiving edition of the Bozeman Chronicle before Black Friday to see all of the unbelievable inventory and savings they have in store for you. Put Selway Armory on your schedule and get there this Black Friday and Saturday for the sale of the year. Get to the store at the corner of Baxter and Jackrabbit in front of Big Sky Archery and Zero In. Selway Armory's Black Friday sale. Shop local. Save money. Shoot more. Right now, Colton Juanez is joining us via the Corner Shop Hotline as we get ready for Cat Grizz this Saturday in Bozeman. As uh, this one is going to be, this is the best. I mean, this one, I don't know if this game will actually, let me ask you that question, Colter. Do you think this game even can top last year what happened at Washington Grizzly Stadium? <laughs> I don't know, man. I fell out of my chair at the press box in Washington Grizzly Stadium. I think I actually physically assaulted Ryan Tutel. I think I punched him so hard when that happened. I mean, there's no cheering in the press box, and I wasn't rooting for anybody. I was just completely aghast. I had to, I had to punch Ryan in the shoulder because I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> I mean, the, the fact is, I don't really know if you can top that specific result. It's, it's just insane, not only the actual happenings, but the symbolism of what happened at the end of the game last year. You have a Montana Grizz team that was talented and really optimistic with the return of Bobby Houck, that shot themselves in the foot for the for a full month and blew games against Portland State and North Dakota and UC Davis, but they have this chance to beat Montana State and still go to the playoffs. But they had not been able to finish a game yet, and they're out to a 22-0 lead, and they haven't been able to convert short yardage situations, and they haven't been able to play with the confidence that Coach Houck demands. But here they are, eight seconds away from winning this game, and instead... Ty Gregorak, the guy who a lot of people in Missoula consider a traitor, a guy who flipped from the Grizz to the Cats in the rivalry, he calls the right play. Chase Benson, a Montana guy. Tucker Yates, a Montana guy. They blow up the interior of Montana's offensive line. Smack Adam Eastwood. And Derek Marks, another underdog Montana guy, recovers the fumble. And you talk about... The fact that Montana's roster had dipped all the way down to only having 29 Montana natives, and you have a whole bunch of guys from Montana State, including got to throw Grant Collins in there as well, four Montana natives making the play, and then you have Montana not being able to convert a short yardage situation, not being able to convert a, uh, at the end of games. It truly was the microcosm of both teams' seasons in a nutshell, in one play, in Cat Grizz. I don't know if it's ever going to happen again, just how ripe with symbolism and how thrilling the finish was. But I do think that these two teams this year are better. I don't know if we're going to get the excitement as far as the end of it and the crescendo that it was, but make no mistake, these two teams that we're going to see this Saturday are as good as Montana Montana State have been collectively in at least seven years and maybe more than a decade. Coach, let me get you all the thoughts on this because we have seen top ten matchups between uh, Montana State and Montana before, but at the same time, some of those have been blowouts, whether that be for the Grizz or for the Bobcats. I think it was more for the Grizz, unfortunately for Cats fans. Um, but what do you think about this game here? Do you see a blowout potentially? You know, I think that conventional wisdom and just the way that Montana's been surging, I mean, again, they have not played a single-score game yet this year. They lost to Oregon 35-3. to They lost to Sacramento State 49-22. And they have defeated every other team that they have played by at least 17 points. So they have been, quite honestly, consistently blowing people out. That said, 
I think there's two reasons why this game's not going to be a blowout. I think Montana State can run the ball as well as anybody in the league. They're leading the league in rushing per game. Montana's leading the league in rush defense, so that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. But I think the fact that it's going to be at Bobcat Stadium, and by the way, home field advantage has mattered not in this rivalry this decade. Montana's 4-1 and one on the road. Excuse me, Montana State's 4-1 and one on the road. Montana's 3-1 and one on the road so far this decade. Only the Grizz in 2014 and the Cats in 2017, the last time this game was in Bozeman, have won as the home team. So home field advantage you can throw out the window. But I do think there is a collection of Montana guys on Montana State. Braden Conkle, Josh Hill, Derek Marks, Mitch Brott, Troy Anderson. Those guys are not going to go down without a fight. Braden Conkle's best games of his career have come in the Kakariz game. Josh Hill's best games of his career have come in the Kakariz game. And this is those guys' last shot. You can talk about being able to play on in the playoffs and all that. But those guys, they know what this means. They're the three-time state champs. They want four times. So because of that, I don't think they're going to let Montana blow them out. And I also think that Montana had a pivotal moment last week, but they need another pivotal moment. It's been 30-plus years. It's been since 1983 to 1985 that Montana State's won three straight of these things. So this is a huge moment in the arc and the history of the rivalry as well. And Montana has to prove that they can seize the moment. I think a lot of people think that Montana has been playing so well the last month that they come into this game as a favorite, and they open up as a a five-point favorite, according to the Vegas line. But I think this is going to be a war, man. I think this is a coin flip game, and I don't think either team's going to be able to blow the other one out because I I don't think that the style of the game is going to allow it to happen, and I don't think that the pride of the players on either side is going to allow it to happen. Yeah, I agree, man. I think that, like I said, I I don't think this will be a blowout, but like I said, that was kind of the thing for me, Coulter, was Montana's been playing so well, and as you mentioned – they haven't played a single-score game. Montana State has been playing really well, like you talked about the last three weeks here. But at the same time, too, this is going to be an interesting part. Isaiah Fonte is not completely healthy. Travis Johnson's not. Troy Anderson's not. Uh, it seems like, to me, Montana comes into this ball game a lot healthier than Montana State does. Yeah, well, Montana's missing Sammy Akim. Montana's lit, missing Gabe Solser. There's two of your four or five best receivers. They're missing Matt Rensvold, who's probably their best receiving tight end. You know, I don't think anybody that plays on the offensive or defensive fronts are healthy at this time of year. You know, but I mean, by and large, Montana is a little bit more healthy than Montana State. But I also think that Montana State's been mitigating and planning for this last stretch run. Travis Johnson said in his postgame interview at UC Davis, he said, "I could have played last week, but I didn't. We decided to preserve me for this week." And he goes out, he basically wins the game for him. His 75-yard touchdown proved to be one of the pivotal scores in that contest. I think they've been saving Isaiah Infonse for these last two weeks of the season to let him be at 100%. Troy Anderson, the way that they use him and how tough he is and his just love of contact, he's never going to be <laughs> he's never going to be healthy. The guy's going to have to take a break for like 9 months to actually be healthy. But I don't think that matters. I mean, you could see he clearly hurt his surgically repaired shoulder against UC Davis and he checked himself in on defense on the very next series and went and got a sack. I mean, the guy, he, he, he would have had a pick on that same drive, but he couldn't lift his arm. But it doesn't matter because he's, he's not a liability in coverage because he's so dang tough. So, you know, I think that everybody this time of year is banged up. I think the headliners on Montana State are a little bit more hurt. But make no mistake, missing Sammy Akim, that's a huge deal. And I'm not sure he's going to play on Saturday. Missing Gabe Solser, okay, his touches have been limited. But that's still a huge deal because you got to prepare for him, and especially in the special teams game. So, I, I don't know. I think that it's kind of a wash when it comes to that, too. I think that... Injuries on both sides, I don't know. I don't think it's going to play that big of a factor. You also have to account for the fact that Dalton Sneed 
reportedly had surgery on his ankle, and he's been playing through it. But I, I saw him walking into the press conference today. He's not fine. He's limping really bad. But I think everybody this time of year is banged up, and you got to just grit your teeth and do it. And uh, I expect both these teams to never use that as an excuse and to grit their teeth and do it exactly like that on Saturday. Colter, my final question for you, man. Looking at this game, for you, what's it going to come down to? What is the pivotal, I don't want to say pivotal moment, but pivotal statistical category you feel like that's going to decide this game, whether it be field position. I know turnovers, penalties, they always play their part. But whether or not Montana or Montana State can run the football, pass the football, what's going to be the determining factor here that you think will decide who wins the rivalry game this weekend? You know, I haven't covered now. This will be my 13th one of these. It all the playing field, the cliche that the records get thrown out the window and the playing field is level is so true because both schools, both teams, both programs, both coaching staffs, they know the pinnacle importance of this game on a statewide level, on a national level, what it means for their job security. And so both teams usually just throw jabs at the other squad and just kind of defend for a little while, try to see who's going to make the first mistake. And that could be a busted coverage on a kick return. It could be a turnover. It could be a big penalty. It could be a late hit on a third down, whatever it might be. Who makes the first mistake, but then how do they respond? I thought it was fascinating talking to Braden Conkle the other day. He was talking about the 2016 Cat Grizz game, which is a game that no one gave Montana State a fighting chance in. And Montana State gave up a 60-yard touchdown on the second offensive play of the game. John Walker, who was one of the best corners in the league that year, got burned by Justin Calhoun and Brady, Brady Gustin through a dime, and bam, 7 nothing Montana. And everybody's like, man, the Grizz are going to roll Montana State. They're going to kill this team. Because Montana State, they were 1-6 in league play at that moment. But Braden Conkle told me the best thing that ever happened to the Cats in that game was giving up that touchdown on the second play. Because like he said, the worst thing that was going to happen to them in the game happened right away. And then they could just breathe and settle in and embrace the hostility of the atmosphere, and that's exactly what they did. So I think that the team that makes the first mistake but then also responds to the first mistake, that's the team gonna win. that's going to win. If you talk about statistics, it's always going to come down the line of scrimmage in November football in Montana. And so that'll be a fascinating matchup to watch as well. I can't wait to break down the ins and outs of all the personnel and all this stuff. But to me, mitigating mistakes and responding from mistakes, that's going to be the key to this game. Colton Nuanez from Skyline Sports, host of Tutel and Nuanez, 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN Missoula, 1029. You guys can catch them right there on SWX as well. Colton, really appreciate the time, my friend. Look forward to seeing you this weekend in Bozeman. Hey, appreciate it. We'll look forward to seeing you, my man. Enjoy the holiday week. Coulter, the weather has turned. It is gnarly out there. It's gnarly on the roads. But in Montana, that doesn't keep us home. We go everywhere we got to go. You and I always travel in for football. I'm going to be headed to some other places for Christmas, all this kind of stuff. You know what gives me comfort? I know that I'm always about 11 feet from a town pump superstore. I mean, no matter where I am in the state of Montana, you got gasoline, you got all the refreshments you need, the kids got to have, you know, a, a, a packet of gum, some chips, some water to keep them going, to keep them satiated and satisfied in the backseat. And you know what other S word? Silent. Shut them up, those kids. You go to town pump and you got yourself some peace and calm in the van ride. I, sh- I should pay them $1 million for what they've done for me. I always set up that town pump right when you get over Homestake Pass. Uh, right in rocker there because uh, yeah. I always run out of the spray fluid for the windshield. And the mm. semis are spraying on you. When it gets cold and icy and snowy like this, you got to have the right fluids in your car. And Town Pump's got that covered as well. 
And sometimes you need a beer for after the drive. So get yourself a six-pack, drink it when you get home, behave yourself. But it is. It's a great place no matter what you need. Fuel, food, caffeine, water, anything. And who knows, maybe you throw a dollar in the machine, you walk away a winner, too. I mean, you got all these different ways to recreate, stretch your legs on the highways. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953.